Hello. What's up? It's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 21st of July, 2020. How are you, man? Thanks for listening in. Thanks for um, thanks for being you. Thanks for staying true to yourself. Thank you for being honest. Yeah. Thank you for um, thank you for continuing against all odds to battle upwards through the maelstrom of life and into the joyous light of the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're here. Here we fucking are, man. Um, I uh, yeah, I I'm what am I feeling? Pretty good, actually. Feeling all right. Let's have a little bit of sip of tea here. Yum, yama. Um, yeah, I fucking I feel pretty good, man. I I started today, my uh, yesterday actually, first day. Uh, cert three in horticulture. Because as pertaining to last week's podcast, I am no longer a comedian. I am a, uh, I, I'm a, a now a budding horticulturalist. <laughs> oh, where did it go wrong? What happened? Um, Yesterday, I had a fucking bit of a freak out by myself. So the campus is out. I'm studying at the prestigious Box Hill Institute um, or Box Hill TAFE as I am loath to <laughs> fucking... That's what my email address is, Box Hill TAFE. All the years that I spent looking down my nose at the people from TAFE, dusty-haired, painty-pants individuals, high school dropouts, one and all... And uh, and now I'm one of them, and I'm a fucking approaching thirty years old, and I'm like, you know, I'm in the same classes. It just, I mean, I, I I was about to say I'm in the club, same classes, blah, but I've met all the people in my class, and I'm not gonna disparage them any further. Fucking whatever. Anyway, I um I had a bit of a freak out yesterday, um because. Uh, yeah, I just like I finished the first day. I like went there and I'm excited. I'm going to meet people. And then I didn't really meet anyone. So that was kind of weird because it's like, we've all got to wear our fucking masks. Oh, God. <laughs> I think I'm in a good mood, but like by all rights, I, I shouldn't be. But that's just how brave I am. That's how much of an Aussie battler I am is, um, yeah, look, because... So I go in yesterday and I'm like trying to G myself up on the first day. I'm like, it's good, man. It's like fun. New direction, you know? Like I'll go in, I'll do this thing and like I want to meet all these new people and then I get in there and everyone else has already done the orientation and I'm there at what I believe to be the right time but evidently I'm five minutes late because even when I'm like, I'm going to get there early, I'm still fucking late. Um and yeah, they were all there for the orientation last week, but I hadn't even gotten into the course at that point. So like I get there and no one's really saying anything in the class. It's this weird stifling kind of environment and it's just very orientation-y, you know? I don't know. I just, I guess I, um, I guess I expected to walk in and have everyone already, like we all hug and we're all, you know, like that, um, like as we go on, <laughs> we remember that vibe. I expect that vibe on day one. <laughs> I'm like, I already want to have gone through the thing. 
I'm so impatient. I don't. I I'm like already nostalgic for the end of the thing at the start when actually the first day is like. Ugh. I don't know any of you guys. I'm fucking and that this is a moment. They uh the the teacher, the like, you know, course coordinator lady was at the front and she was like, um, can we get uh for like it was me and one other person weren't there at, on top. I couldn't figure out whether we were there late or if it was something that we missed at orientation, but she was like, So can we get uh, just your names and why you're in the course? And the level of drop off in confidence in me from the start of my sentence to the end of the sentence was like because I started I started the sentence projecting from the diaphragm with this, you know, in my head, I'm like, I am a comedian. This is what I do. I address groups and I am not scared. And then, and then it quickly tailed off into like, oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> and so I said something like, um, hey, everyone, I'm Aiden Jones and I'm here because I like gardening and I guess, you know, I thought it'd be cool uh, or something. <laughs> Um, and I reckon that probably would have been enough to make everyone in the class go, who the fuck is this? No, they were, oh, I don't know. I don't know what, why am I trying to guess what other people think of me? Anyway, it was, I felt uncomfortable. Let's leave it at that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was day one. Day two today we did Microsoft Teams. We, uh, it felt a little bit better cause I'm like, before the class started, there were a few people online and we had a bit of a chat and I chatted to people and yeah, I mean, that was nice. Made me feel comfortable. But anyway, that's what's been going on for me this week, I guess. Just this new, yeah, oh, that's right. So this is what I had a freak out over is I did the first day yesterday and I'm out in Lilydale, which is like not as far as the job that I was going to, which was like over two hours to get there, but it's still like an hour and 45 <laughs> on public transport from my house. And, uh, I was just walking around afterwards, like the thing finished at like midday or 1230 or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I've got to go get some boots. I've got to go get some new work boots. I got some blundstones, which were nice little slip on boots there. And I was, so to get to go to the boot, the work gear place is like a bit past the station. So I'm walking and I'm just thinking about that first day and that I was kind of uncomfortable and uh, thinking about like normally what brings me a feeling of comfort and security in those kinds of situations is the knowledge, the security that I have in my identity as a comedian, you know, like when I did Nice a couple of years ago, the business course thing through the government, I went in knowing whatever happens here. I'm still going to go and do a gig tonight and I have that to, you know, get my satisfaction from and like I just, I'm good at that. I know I'm good at that thing. And I I guess I kind of went into this thinking that, you know, assuming that I would feel the same way because it would have been like, well, I'm I, whatever happens in this horticulture course, I am a comedian and it doesn't really matter. This is just a thing that I'm doing for me, but it's not the thing that I lean on in terms of my identity and my self-esteem. And then I got in there and I realized like thinking I'm going to be so comfortable and then, you know, having this feeling of like, oh, actually I'm not that comfortable and I'm just another fucking cunt in this class and which is quite like a humbling thing. And uh, 
realizing that there's nothing else like reaching for my regular support of like I'm a comedian and feeling it not be there feeling that thing of like I don't have a gig tonight or this week or this month or anything in my calendar so if I am not like if I don't get the feeling of acceptance and 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 fucking whatever that I need in this place then I don't have it at all and I left that yesterday that first day just in a a state of shock walking around going like what the fuck is it and like excited because the dilemma that I was having was like so my uh, thing the dream that I was going to do isn't there anymore so I've decided to do this new thing and that's good but in doing the new thing I feel like I'm abandoning my old identity which is scary so I'm either stay with the old identity which can't exist at the moment which makes me sad or go and do the new thing and feel like I'm abandoning the old thing which is also sad so it's like you know anyway I got stuck in this idea that like it's lose lose I'm fucked everything's bad and then I bought some boots and I've moved on with my fucking life Uh, yeah I feel good yeah, I think I feel good. I um, Last week I was talking about Edmund Hillary, some fucking stupid riff. I can't even remember what it was. Climbing mountains. What was it? Climbing trees. That Climbing a tree is like attention seeking and the biggest, the people who never get checked on their attention seeking tendencies end up fucking needing to climb mountains. And then I started talking about Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay, who I think I was saying Tenzing Norgay last week. So I apologize to any, fuck, Nepal. Oh God, I don't even know where he's from. Oh, I watched a documentary on them. Wait, I got a fucking... Here we go. Tenzing Norgay. Nepalese, right. Nepali Indian. Whatever. That's actually interesting that on Wikipedia it says Nepali hyphen Indian. Because, all right, so I watched this documentary because I realized last week I'm just talking shit about these guys and I don't know fucking anything about it. And uh, I just found something to, you know, like let me learn about that for a minute because I guess... I assumed, um, uh, kind of erroneously, that erroneous is that the correct usage of that word? Let me check. I've been thinking about the word. Okay, Google, define erroneous. Here's the definition of erroneous. Wrong, incorrect. Employers sometimes make erroneous assumptions. All right. Okay. Yeah. Then that's not... I'm just thinking of the word erroneous from the movie Wedding Crashes. I don't know if you guys remember that scene where Vince Vaughn, when um, Owen Wilson's like, didn't his mum try and poison his oatmeal? And Vince Vaughn's like, erroneous! Erroneous! On all counts! No, that is right, actually, isn't it? False. Yeah, okay, whatever. Anyway, that's where I know the word erroneous from. So, I erroneously claimed uh maybe erroneous spuriously dubious whatever i fucking i assumed that um tenzing norgay being the brown guy in the situation and the local and whatever was the one who did all the work and edmund hillary was just the white dude who took all the credit you know and uh and I watched the documentary and it was a really good documentary. I can't remember what it was called. Otherwise, I'd fucking tell you. Where is it? Did I write it down? Nah. It's on YouTube if you want to check it out. I just fucking look up the... Uh, maybe I'll put it I'll put it in the show notes for this if anyone wants to watch it. And um, so this documentary talks about the little bit of the history 
of the Everest climb. It was 53 that they climbed up it. But like the English had um, sole access to it from India, I think, from the Indian side because that was a British colony. And so they were climbing up. They were trying to go up that way, but they couldn't make it. And then the Swiss tried to go up. And then the Nepalese approach opened up, which was like the other side. Nepal opened up their borders for some reason, political, whatever. And uh, everyone, the English kind of saw it as like our mountain to climb. And once that opened up, it was like every year, new expeditions from different countries were going to try and do it. It was the Swiss, the French were in line to do it the year after and whatever. So basically that year that they climbed it, the stakes were so high because it was like, if we don't do it this year, then we're not going to be the first ones to climb it because the Swiss will knock it over next year or if not, the French or Italians or whoever the years after. So that year, and they had two, they had one expedition, there was a group of like fucking, there were like 20 like Europeans and shit and then there were a bunch of Nepalese Sherpas and this guy Tenzing Norgay had been, that I think that was his seventh or eighth time going up the mountain trying to climb it and he grew up like in the valley in the shadow of Everest and... So it was like a big personal thing for him as well. It wasn't like he was just the the lowly Sherpa or whatever. He went with the Swiss to try and climb it a bunch of times, whatever. All this other shit. And, uh, and then when him and Edmund Hillary, there was like a couple of other people who went first in their expedition. They climbed kind of most of the way up and then the last two guys went up for the ascent, but they ran out of oxygen and there was this moment where it was like, you know, if we keep going... Like one of the guys said to the other guy, like, you're never going to see your fucking, your, your wife again. You know, it was this thing where like they could get to the top, but they wouldn't have enough oxygen for the return. So they had to turn back. And then on the way back, you know, they're racked with regret. One of them's going, we should have fucking done it, man. We should have gone for it. And then Edmund Hillary and Tenzing try and go up and, uh, and there's like, they get they get to the top and they, oh that was it right so a part of what I wanted to know and I'm not going to say but a part of what I wanted to know was who got up there first and um, I guess all right so they get up there they do the thing they're up there for 15 minutes and um, it sounds like they really there was like a big mutual respect there between them basically what I got from it was that it was neither of them they were a team right this is what this documentary really did a good job of kind of explaining or demonstrating was those two and then also everyone else they all felt like they did it together and I can't remember the analogy they used but like that their their standpoint on it was to say that one of us did it or just those two or whatever did it is to lose sight of the whole thing because they were a team and they all did it together. And that was really nice, right? And it, and it did a good job of demonstrating this kind of strong unit that this whole team of mountaineers and the Nepalese guys and English guys and Edmund Hillary was actually a Kiwi, which I didn't know. Um, and then when they got down back to the rest of the world, Everyone was swamping them. And the question that everyone wanted to know that I instinctively asked, I think even on the podcast last week, was I wanted to know who did it first? Who was the one who actually got up there first? And um, they were all really annoyed and angered by that question. And, and why I thought it was interesting just now on the Wikipedia page when it says Nepali Indian for Tenzing Norgay is because... 
the Indians were trying to claim him as Indian and be proud of him and the Nepalese were trying to claim him as Nepalese and be proud of him and everyone wanted the achievement for themselves. And like even the idea that the English were going up there to do the like climb for the English, you know, it was like it was all the 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 achievement that they achieved. Fuck, when they climbed up Everest and the amazing thing that they all achieved and the experience was kind of torn apart by all these disparate political interests as soon as they got back to the rest of the world. And I thought that was so fucking interesting, and it made me think. Oh, what was I thinking about it? It made me think about the way that, okay, so um, there were like, there was like a huge pack of media down at the closest town to the base camp where they were. And they were all sniffing around for a story. They were all hungry for whatever the story was going to be. They all wanted the story. Even before they'd made it up, they were, you know, going, oh, we haven't heard from them for a while. So is the expedition fucked? Are they dead or what? They all wanted to be the one to break the story. And in their desperation, because everyone's so excited about the story, because the stories are good, right? It's fun to... It's exciting, it's inspiring, whatever, all the things that are great about stories. And so in their eagerness to tell the story, all of these media and the the interests, the political interests, told different stories and mixed them up with their own ideas of what it needed to be. Like the English journalists went, we did it for England and the news got back to England on the day of Queen Elizabeth II's coronation. So that was the story. Or like the Indian people going, oh, this Indian guy, he did it. And then the Nepalese people going, no, it was the Nepalese guy, he did it for us. And fighting over these people and the people stop becoming people. They just become objects to be fought over by all these separate interests. And it made me think about how whenever you tell someone else's story, you're telling it and in part making it yours, you know? And so I guess that's like a reason to not tell other people's stories. I don't know what I'm fucking trying to say. Don't tell other people's stories, all right? (laughs) All of you guys who are out there telling everyone else's stories, stop it. Stop. Naughty. Stop telling other people's stories. Tell your own stories. Uh, Today I ate four bacon and cheese and egg sandwiches and then I did a shit. (laughs) And if you don't have a story to tell her, if that's your only story, you shut the fuck up. (laughs) It was really interesting. It It was an amazing documentary. You should definitely watch it. And I thought it was especially nice because it was on YouTube. So it didn't have these like high production values, but I definitely felt like it uh, told the story really well and that part of the story again I mean were they allowed to tell the story maybe they tell the story the way that they wanted to tell it I'm about to fall off my fucking asshole here with the storytelling philosophy bullshit but um yeah really and it had interviews from some of the guys I guess that the documentary was made in the in the 80s or 90s maybe something like that because it had uh, interviews with some of these guys when they were all old men now reliving their glory days um yeah but the uh, and also what i got oh, so eventually tenzing in his um autobiography ended up saying which of the two of them made it up and i i wish that i didn't know I wish that I never found out. I read it on um, Wikipedia and as soon as I read it, I thought I wanted to know and then I found out and I was like, you know what? I wish I didn't know, actually. I wish I had never known that. What I wish 
was that, wow, it would have been so cool. Those two guys who got there to the top, they then had a secret that everyone else in the world knew they had that. That's so interesting, right? Everyone else in the world knows they're the two people who know who got up, who got up the top first. They know. So they know that those two guys have a secret, but in, in like... It's not like a lot of secrets when someone doesn't know you have a secret. Everyone knows that they have that secret. And how cool would it have been if they had both taken it to the grave? And um, oh, I guess I have to say, but I, fuck, I'm sorry. T- uh, Edmund Hillary was the first one to get up there. And uh, and neither of them really f- seemed like they cared that much but it was Tenzing who came out and said Edmund was the first one to go up there and um they even they even uh showed how Edmund Hillary there's like a famous line of his where he's telling the story of how they got to the top and they cha- he changed the way it was worded to take out the first person to make it more ambiguous as to who got up to the top which was so cool because he was like this fucking very humble dude apparently and i mean he sounds just that's another fucking great kiwi right can those people do no wrong um but yeah tenzing was the one who in his book finally came out and was like look it was edmund all right so everyone shut the fuck up judge me however you're gonna judge me but that's the truth and that's what it is i guess he just got he got fucking sick of people asking him you know imagine that for your whole life you did that thing and everyone, no one wants to know about anything else of what you're interested in it. All everyone ever wants to know is who was actually first though. And then you go, we did it together. And they're like, yeah, 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 teamwork. But like, who was like really first? <laughs> it's like asking a magician how he does the trick. And then once you, you tell the trick, you're like, oh, I fucking didn't want to know that, you know? What I'm saying is shame on you, Tenzing Norgay, for telling everyone. <laughs> That'd be funny, wouldn't it? Shame, shame, Tenzing Norgay, and 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 um, and glory to Edmund Hillary, the glorious Edmund Hillary, who was first up the mountain, and he didn't blab, did he? He didn't fucking blab, not like you, Tenzing. Nah, good on them both, I reckon, and good on everyone. If you're listening, guys, <laughs> well done for climbing your little mountain. Um, you know what? I don't need to climb a mountain because I am secure in myself. Um, <laughs> after I watched that documentary, I was like, fuck, what could I do in my life? That would I don't think there's anything that I could possibly do in my life that would inc- like incite that much intrigue and interest as yeah i don't fuck it. anyway good for them <sighs> what else have we got oh fuck the picture for this week is um uh at the last last week um one of the last shifts at my job we were driving around we saw this ute if you want to check the picture out by the way at sitting under podcast on instagram or follow me on aiden jones comedy on instagram and um yeah, so last week, one of the last days at my job, we were uh, driving around and we saw this fucking ute and it had, I'll pull up the picture now and I'll read what it said. So this ute, evidently the guy driving the ute, and you know it was a fucking guy on this one for sure. 
with this level of fucking arrogant, like, you know, supposing that he's right. Um, on the back, written like in Sharpie on the back of this orange ute, COVID-19 is a lie. Do not let the news tell you what to think. And then it says, Max Egan, Dr. Andrew Kaufman. I guess those like conspiracy fucking dudes. And it's gone. <laughs> he's like insane. Like a beautiful mind. You know in a beautiful mind when he's got all the strings like up around the room with pictures and shit. That's what the back of this ute looks like. It goes, population in Australia, 2020, 25,499,884. Flu, 310,000. Flu deaths, 1,137. Australia, COVID deaths. Shut down, 102. Deaths from economic collapse, depression, and then a question mark, and then 10 zeros. <laughs> and there's like arrows everywhere, and then silence is compliance with like arrows pointing to a number. <laughs> and this guy is just driving around the city. With this ute, like, here's me making a difference. <laughs> this is my, what do you need to go to a protest for when you can just write the facts on the back of your ute, mate? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and I was driving, I was driving a fucking three-ton truck when we saw it at the stoplights, but I pulled out my phone to take the picture and I remember thinking, like, what if the cops see me doing this? If they see me taking the picture, are they going to pull me over? And then I'm like, I don't reckon they will because I'll just point at what I'm taking a picture of and it was so fucking dumb that for sure the cops would have got out their phones and taken pictures of it as well and be like, yeah, what a psycho. <laughs> oh, my God. And fuck that guy, you know? Oh, I don't know. I guess it's your you. You're like, what? what was the moment when that guy thought, you know what? is going to be the right thing for me to do. He's like evidently believes erroneously that he is in possession of the truth. He's the sole guardian of the truth. This man, I don't know. I mean, maybe fucking epidemiologists and doctors drive orange utes. I don't know, but he didn't look like a fucking doctor. All right. What does a doctor look like? Aiden, look, he fucking smart. All right. He looked like a dummy. This guy, we copped a look at him. Um, did we? Um, nah, I reckon, we, I don't know. Fuck, I can't even remember if we did. Maybe I'm making that up. Maybe I'm a liar. Um, but uh, what was the moment when he thought, okay, I've got the truth. It's just me. And I need to let the world know. Like if you had the information that was going to stop the impending apocalypse, right? <laughs> if you, If you're the one who's like, I have the code to stop the nuclear launch, the impending doom of our entire civilization, and all you can think to do with it is write it on the back of your fucking unit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these are our heroes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's not the hero that we uh, that we deserve, but he is the hero <laughs> we need right now. Fucking Ute Man. Anyway, that's the picture for this week. Cop a fucking look. I'll do the Google Deep Dreams of all of those. I don't even know why I do that anymore, but I like it. Um, I'll put all of those. Lately, I've been putting all of the Deep Dreams that I make and then the original picture at the end so you can just see this. I posted it on fucking Twitter as well and... You know, got my like fucking six likes, which almost felt as good as doing comedy. <laughs> anyway, um, I saw a uh, fuck. I got a bunch of stuff to talk about still. 
Um, what do I want to talk about? I guess I'll talk about this guy I saw yesterday, and I maybe that'll get me. Through. We'll fucking see. We'll see, won't we? Why am I trying to predict the future? That is which one of my unhelpful thinking styles is that? That is labeling over generalization. No, no. Maybe that's not anything. I think I do catastrophizing. I do that one. Occurs when we blow things out of proportion and we view the situation as terrible, awful, dreadful, or horrible, even though the reality is that the problem itself is quite small. I don't do that with problems. I do it when people call me and I immediately think, oh, I have done something wrong. Catastrophizing. <sighs> anyway, so yesterday I'm on the tram. I saw a great guy. Normally, you know, when people fucking talk loud on the tram, I'm just like, it's the worst thing, right? When he's like, someone's on the phone. I'm on the tram and there's a uh, a guy walks on. He must be like 40 and he's talking so loud. And the first thing out of his mouth is uh, he's talking about he just found a pack of cigarettes full, not a single one missing and a $50 note in the pack of cigarettes. And, you know, straight away I'm listening to that because I'm like, well, this is an exciting chat. And the guy looks like he's maybe not homeless but like a bit hard up or something. But he's got like that strong Australian accent and a very loud voice like me telling the class full of students who I am. And (laughs) before I faded off at the end, there was no fade off on this guy's voice. He was just out in the world being confident. Um, And then what I liked was he goes, so he's like, yeah, man, I just found a pack of ciggies. Not a single one missing. $50 note tucked in there. And it's it's happened to me all the time because last week, he goes, last week I found a bag, just a bag on the street, just like full of food and stuff. And I just found that. And that made me go like, oh, that's fuck. That's kind of a bummer. You know, that like, then he needs to find a bag of food. But also that's kind of weird. Like a bag of food, like a whole, like a shopping bag or something. But he's, he, so he goes, I found this bag of food. And then he goes, I swear people are doing it to me on purpose. Like, it felt like he was saying to his friend that he feels like he has some guardian angel watching over him, like, leaving all this stuff around. And uh, I really liked the idea that, like, if you're in a situation where finding a bag of food or a a packet of cigarettes and a $50 note tucked into it, if that's going to change your life you're like in a pretty shitty situation. I don't mean to fucking give like take pity on anyone or anything like that, but that's just kind of, you know, like you're not, you're a little bit down on your luck, right? And the fact that this dude, I would think if I was in a situation, oh, maybe not me, I don't know, if like a negative thinking person in that kind of situation might have the reaction of like, finds the great thing and then rather than going fuck yeah good stuff always happens to me they might go ugh finally something good do you know what i mean like his reaction to that even in his shitty situation was like yes like he's called his mate to tell him about it he's so fucking excited and uh i was like listening to their conversation the tram kept moving but i kept trying to like overhear over the fucking tram going on the tracks and the dung dung like normally when people talk loud on the tram i'm like shut the fuck up no one fucking cares maybe i just liked this guy maybe i just wanted to be mates with him he just sounded real excited and then like i at one point he went all right mate i'm gonna love you and leave you and he was sitting like half of the tram maybe even the whole tram length like the whole length of the tram away from me and i could still hear like every word of his conversation (laughs) 
<laughs> now I'm thinking maybe that's me. Maybe that's what I do to people. Um, <laughs> I got fucking one time when I was in Adelaide. <laughs> Once when I was in Adelaide, I was on the phone to a mate and I uh, I was talking how I talk. So I'm like dropping fucks and shits and cunts and whatever. And uh, a cop came up to me and gave me a fine for like swearing on the tram. And he was like, what if there's kids here? And I remember at the time thinking like, how dare you? There weren't kids, you know, I checked or whatever. I probably didn't check, but like, I was just indignant and angry. Like, how dare you give me a fine? Who the fuck are you? What the fuck did I do wrong? And now I'm like, dude, my voice is very loud. Like if (laughs) that guy's conversation was nice, but if he was an angry person, it really could have upset people. I reckon but he was all he was doing was he was swearing, but there was an undercurrent of positivity in it. And when he said to his friend, I'm going to love you and leave you, I got excited for a second because I thought he was hanging up the phone. But I thought he had said, I love you to his friend. <laughs> and just the idea that some dude is like, you know, like he's a bit fucking hard on his luck. Maybe he's hard. like the idea of a homeless guy talking to his mate on the tram and then hanging up and going, all right, mate. Oh, yeah, catch you later. Have a good one. I love you. <laughs> There's a sweetness to that, isn't it? Like, that's a world that I actually would be pretty happy to live in. COVID or no COVID, man. Homeless dudes telling their mates that they love them. Yes. Anyone telling their mates that I love them. Why is it important that he's homeless? It feels important on some level. I don't think he is. He was just dirty, all right? That's what it was. I just noticed that he hadn't showered. You know what? Maybe I'm telling a story about myself in the third person because I don't shower very often either. What's this fucking story about? Anyway, he walked out of the tram and I was, you know what? I was sad to see him go. I was very sad to see him go. I felt like, uh, whatever. I think that might be it for this week. Uh, I was going to talk about, I got some new essential oils. I went to an Islamic bookshop in Coburg. I don't know if we're allowed to do that, by the way. That was in the news. Some guy went to fucking Geelong or some shit for a quote. (laughs) They're calling it in the news, a specific butter chicken. Like he had his favorite restaurant on the other side of the city and he drove over there and it's like, dude, you know, you're not allowed to go that far for some shit, right? It's COVID, but Coburg is the next suburb up from me. So I don't know if, is that too far? It's like a 40 minute walk. It might've been too far. But anyway, I went up there on Sunday and I um, just kind of wandered into the, I saw Islamic bookstore and I went in cause I was like, I'm trying to experience new cultures. And I uh, bought a book on the uh, discovering the Ottomans, the Ottoman Empire. I feel like I'm going to read that at some point, or at least I would like to be the kind of person who has read that in their life. And then I got to the front counter and there was a uh, big shelf of like all different essential oils and um, just like probably like 40 different bottles and one of them I saw was Oud O-U-D and a friend a few years ago had told me about Oud she was like really into smells and fragrances and she was like you need to get your ass some Oud essential oil and it's like very neutral smelling it's like nice but it's not really funky and it mixes with the oils in your skin and so for every person it smells different and I uh, I saw that and there was one called Oud de Nuit I think that's how you say it Oud de Nuit like like oud of the night and i fucking got that i was so excited it's 25 bucks it's a tiny ass little bottle it's probably as big as my thumb maybe not even and uh 
I uh, I showed a friend and uh, a friend of mine who is a, a lady of reasonable means, let's say, is accustomed to the finer things. And I got all excited about this thing. And she was like, oh, show me. And I showed her the bottle. And she was just like, she fucking laughed in my face. She was like, oh, my God, man, that bo- that's it? That that is a sample size. <laughs> I got a sample size bottle. It was twenty five bucks. It was like all this thick viscous oil, and the guy poured it in. It was really skillful, and it's good. I don't think I got ripped off. It's nice shit, but yeah, she kind of laughed in my face because she was like, "Man, come on, you know, if you're excited about a purchase, at least make it a fucking purchase, right?" <laughs> I just. <laughs> 25 bucks, man. That's what I got. That's the kind of figures that I'm playing with. Anyway, fuck. That's the that's the pod for this week. The song I'm going to do is um, Want You In My Soul by Lovebirds and Stee Downs. S-T-E-E-D-O-W-N-E-S. I was listening to this song while walking to work on Thursday, which turned out to be my last day on the job. I got the tram and then the train and then the bus in. Took me over two hours. I woke up at 6.30. By the time I got there, it was like almost nine. And just as I was on the last stretch walking, I uh, I played this song. I'd, had, I'd saved it, but I didn't really pay attention to it, whatever. And it was one of those, it's a house song. And it's one of those songs where like house, what I like in it is when it gives the music room to keep you guessing, you know, like some, there's like an element kind of comes in and that you sit in that beat for a while and you're like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. And in this thing, it's like a really spacey, airy. I'll probably try and fade it in in the mix about now. So I'll be, to- I'm, I'm talking, and you're probably listening to the start of the song. You can hear it. And when the like kind of bit was playing, I was like, "Ooh, that's nice. I wonder what kind of song this is." And then the beat kicks in, and you're like, "Okay, it's it's a house song." And then. Um, and then after a while, I sit with that and I'm like, oh, I wonder like what the bass is going to be like when the bass kicks in. And just as I ask myself that question, dun, 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 the bass kicks in and I'm like, oh, I, I really hope this song has some vocals. And just as I think that, the vocals come, the rising sound, the feeling takes you and fucking this song is an absolute burner. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. Follow my Instagram, both of them, and uh, fucking send me a message if you've got anything you want to say, if you've got anything that you think I should have fucking, if you think I said the wrong thing or whatever. I don't know, man. Just send me a message. I'm very bored and lonely. Thank you, guys. I've been Aiden Jones.